Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. It's the 29th day of the month of March. We are at the midweek point, and I'm thankful that you're with me on the DDP. Uh, We appreciate all of you so very much. We appreciate your prayers. We appreciate your support. And for so many of you who have partnered together with us financially, we are so thankful for you. And I want to encourage anyone to visit our website, paulwhiteministries.com, to see how you can partner with us or to see how you can uh, get a little more additional content than we offer. And we offer, uh, we offer content for free all, of the, all over the place and all the time. I mean, we, we put something out every single day that doesn't cost you anything. So uh, anything you can do to partner with us, we appreciate so much. In Mark chapter 6, yesterday we introduced Jesus' the initial rejection at Nazareth. He goes back to his hometown It's a Saturday. It's Sabbath, therefore it's Saturday. He goes to the synagogue and he teaches, and the crowd doesn't really want a lot to do with him here because they know him. Matthew contains this same story, and they both fall in front of the beheading of John the Baptist. Um, We don't know for sure if it's the same moment in Luke 4, where Jesus is rejected at Nazareth, it it doesn't really seem to be, because in both Matthew and Mark, not long after the rejection of Jesus at Nazareth, John the Baptist has his head cut off. When Luke tells the story of Jesus preaching in the synagogue in Luke 4, he gives more detail. He tells what scripture Jesus reads, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we don't have John the Baptist's head cut off immediately, so what we might take away is that they're two different instances, but which really only solidifies the point that Jesus made a habit of going to synagogue on the Sabbath, a a habit that even Christians in the book of Acts who had Jewish heritage, even they copied that habit by many of them continuing to visit synagogues on the Sabbath day or to go to temple when they could. Um, That's for another lesson why they did that. But In the Luke version of the story, he reads from Isaiah, and the crowd is amazed, and he tells them the scriptures fulfilled in their ears, and he reads it as if it's a day of jubilee. He says, this is the acceptable year. That's a phrase for this is the jubilee year. And as the conversation unfolds in Luke 4, Jesus offends everybody by asking them a series of questions, basically, did, did, uh, were, were there not enough widows in Israel that God would have to go choose the widow of Zarephath in the days of Elijah? Were there not enough lepers in Israel that God would have to choose Naaman the Syrian in the days of Elisha? In other words, could God not find enough of his own people to be good to in the days of Elijah and Elisha that he would step outside of Israel to be good to someone else? It's not an indictment against the people. It's not... Jesus saying, you people need to be better. It was Jesus saying, the heart of the Father has always been to include those outside of our family. That's real jubilee. Now that got him in trouble in Luke 4. In fact, the crowd went from awe to anger at the snap of a finger. They were in awe of Jesus and then they were angry at Jesus. And it didn't take long because it doesn't usually take long for people to go from awe of your ministry to anger with your ministry when you include people that they don't want included, that becomes the fundamental disagreement. Well, 
Jesus is rejected in the Mark 6 version of the story simply because he's human. But I won't discount, I might have discounted it too much yesterday when I got off of recording. I thought about it a little more and thought, okay, should probably shore it up. We don't know that Jesus isn't offensive in Mark 6 because of what he has said, because he's certainly offensive in Luke 4 because of what he said. But Mark seems to indicate that the offense in Jesus is simply because they know him. And Jesus follows it up with a phrase that makes me believe that even more. Verse 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And that's a statement that, has, that now almost transcends the Bible. People will use that phrase to, to describe anyone rejected by their hometown or rejected by the people they know. But it seems to mean that the more familiar you are with somebody, the less likely you are to honor their God-given gifts or callings. And I say it this way, a lot of times what I've noticed is that the very thing that attracts you to someone can be the very thing that runs you off from them the more you get to know them. And that tends to to show itself in ministry as much as anything. That the closer you get, the less infatuated you are And that can run you off. It even happens, whether we like to admit it or not, in our relationship with the Lord. We're attracted to Him for all of these reasons. That He's exclusive and that He is unique and that He is special. And then as we walk this out with the Lord, the very things that in the beginning of our faith might have turned us on start to cause us challenges. So if he is unique, what does that say about God? And this is also why the longer we serve him, sometimes we start to try to shift God into our image. Because what God is and who he is becomes something that we are to grow into. And our refusal to do that, which is often accompanied by our refusal to repent, our refusal to be formed, those can become the very reasons why we push back against God. So whatever Jesus might have meant to the audience that day, what I think is rather clear is that Jesus did not expect his own people, his own house, or his own family to accept the call that he believed was his from God. And if Jesus had waited on people to accept it, well, he might not have gotten anything done at all. Verse 5, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. And so the lack of faith has never stopped God from doing what God is going to do, but it does seem that God limits himself from time to time in ways that maybe only he is privy to, but he limits himself from doing what he could do because there are people there who are full of such unbelief. If you're going to get Jesus to marvel, it'd be better to have him marvel at faith than at unbelief, but yet he marvels at their unbelief. And then finally, that last sentence in verse 6, he went 
about their villages in a circuit teaching. This one actually brings a smile to my face. Years ago, I'd posted a, a Facebook photo of, uh, we had, we'd put together a little flyer about a preaching circuit we were making. And I'd put together all the dates. I'm going to be in this church on this date, this city on this date. And it, it, it encompassed like six weeks. And I got a comment from, a, from one of the guardians of the Bible, you know, the people that guard, you, you don't say anything wrong, don't do anything wrong. And they, I had put like, here's our preaching tour for the summer. And they replied, there, there's no such thing as a preaching tour in the Bible. I smile now when I read Mark 6, 6. He went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Sounds an awful lot like a preaching tour to me. More tomorrow from the sending out of the 12. See you then. God bless.